What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? Welcome in. What's the spread? Thank you for joining us today. We are here. Myself, Miles Markowitz, Mr. Brad Thomas. Back at it again. Here we go. Let's uh, we are bringing you college football coverage all offseason. Yes. It is our bread and butter, our favorite thing to talk about. Um, yeah, too early top 25. Early this is a yearly tradition. 25. Uh, we've been doing this every year since we started the podcast. It was a too early top 10. Yeah, and in then the we beginning. expanded. And I think the too early top 10 is way easier. But yes. this is really going to be a good look at how we can project how we think teams are going to be. And then I think that'll start shaping our mentality. Like I remember back when we were like two years ago, we were talking about how good that Kentucky team was going to be. Yep. And then boom. Everyone's like, no way, and Kentucky was actually a pretty good team. Exactly. It's a good point you bring up. This is kind of where we get to formulate our first looks, uh, our you know uh, recollections yep. of how programs are doing from past years, uh, where they are now going into 2021, and this is kind of where we start to formulate those opinions, because yeah. it really helps you when you do this exercise, and again, I, I say this every year, uh, try it, because it's really fun to put together a top 25. Um it's it's a challenge, uh, and it, but it, but it gives you an idea of where you think teams are at right now. Yes. And everyone's different. I, it, it's going to be so vastly different. But then it's kind of funny too thinking about it. There were conferences where I was like, "Dang, I'm not showing enough respect to this conference." Right? Or why am I leaving this team out? Like I, I have a team that is not even in my top 25 that I've looked at probably 15 different top 25s, and they've been in every single one. There you go. But to me, they didn't prove it on the field. Uh, a lot of teams like that that stood out to me as well, and we'll get into it. We'll talk about it. So let's go ahead and start it off, my man. Number 25. I'll go ahead and start here. This, for me, is uh, kind of a nod of respect here because I saw that Northwestern was not in a lot of two early top 25s. But let me tell you something about Northwestern's program right now. They have won the West Division title two out of the last three years. Yes. Okay? Two out of the last three years, you win a division a Power 5 division, and go to the conference championship game. But the problem with Northwestern is that, number one, they never have the offense. No. And they never will, in my opinion. They get it done with defense. They were second in the Big Ten last year, only gave up 4.9 yards per play. A big loss for them on offense is uh, Peyton Ramsey, who decided, I don't know why, but yes. decided to forego a free year of eligibility. It was really weird. Really strange choice for him, because he was probably the best quarterback they've had at Northwestern in a long time. Uh, because average is going to make you a really good quarterback at Northwestern. Yes. Uh, so for me, that was more of a respect. And Pat Fitzgerald signing that 10-year deal. extension. Which, I mean, Jeez. you never see that in college football. Locked it down. But see, this is also, I feel like, a very popular opinion for you and I, and that we say this all the time. When you're a program, especially like Northwestern, but, yes. I, but I also say this about programs like Auburn, who just can't decide on a coach. Pick a guy and go with him. Yes, and stick with it. Like, and stick with him. Pick a guy and go with him. He's... If he shows interest in being there long term and you like him, stick with him. For Auburn, good thing you brought Auburn up. What is the point of them firing Malzahn when Malzahn is consistent, great recruiter? Exactly. Gives you eight, nine wins a year. Yes. And, and every year you have a chance to win 11 or 12 games in the toughest conference yep. in college football. That's got to be good enough for you. Because if you're Auburn, you have to understand that right now you are not going to be Alabama. No. Nobody is. The, that's the problem in college football is that everyone's trying to be Alabama. Yes. And everyone's trying to be Clemson. Yes. You've got to settle, not, not settle, you've got to manage your expectations on what your program can be. Yep. And for me, I think a great program is one that gives you an opportunity to have that one 12 or 13 win year. That, that LSU year. That LSU, exactly. That LSU year that you build to where everything comes together because consistency is so difficult. So if you're consistently yes. winning nine or 10 games a year, I feel like that should be your guy. Uh, so for Northwestern, I was just really happy with that. I was really happy I, I that, that, that it was, that it was a mutual agreeing on let's make something special here. All right. My top number 20, my number 25 is a, a it was a autofill. Um, I could have had them lower, but I was not excluding them. Coastal Carolina, Chadwell's program um, even despite their loss last game of the season, I mean, uh, to BYU, this program is on the come up. And it, it's not one of those things where a lot of casual football fans are going to say, where did Coastal Carolina come from? What, this is Chadwell's, was his second year? This is his third year being full-time head coach? Every year, he improved. 
and he is doing something special with this program. I had to give them the respect, and I had to put them in there. Yeah, to uh, feed off of that, I'll just go right into my number 24. This is where I have Coastal as well, uh, right here in this spot. I didn't want to leave him out. Uh, not to mention the fact that they're returning 20 of their 22 starters from last year's team. So yes. there's no reason to think that Coastal cannot repeat a great year, another 10-win season, and be one of the best teams in the group of five. Yes. Now, there's a lot of good competition. We've seen the Sun Belt just... That, Sun Belt's growing. Yeah, that conference growing. seems to be getting Amazing. stronger and stronger. Coastal, for me, is one of those teams that just has the appeal of like a UCF, where they're yes. just a very fun brand, and they're doing a really good job of building themselves a brand. Good thing you said that about UCF, because it reminds me of UCF under Frost, yeah, where sure. those kids... They want to play for Chavo. They want to be successful. And, I mean, I don't see Chavo going anywhere for a while. Like, I think he's got at least another two years there. All right, who you got at number 24? Staying in the Sun Belt, I have Louisiana. 10-1 and one last season. The craziest thing about this team is last year they took a step offensively. Levi Lewis took a step offensively. Their receiving core took a step offensively. This year, they get them all back. Quarterback, receiving court, and offensive line. It's hard not to love what you see there. Yeah, Louisiana, another great program out of the Sun Belt, who has been around a lot longer than Coastal Carolina as as far as you know length and dominance. Yes, uh, Louisiana for me would have been probably my first or second honorable mention, yeah. uh, especially out of the group of five. But uh, with that conference next year, there's just a lot of good talent. It's going to be exciting to watch uh, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. But Louisiana. Can't be mad at that. Good pick. All right, number 23, uh, I have Washington. Ooh. And Washington, I originally didn't even have in my top 25. And then I started to think about Washington for a little bit. And and I was, I would say, uh, steered in a certain direction by a lot of top 25s that were, were really high on Washington. Yes. For me, you know me. I was the biggest Chris Peterson fan in college football. And then, that was my guy. And then he just left. And he just left. But the more I think about Jimmy Lake, uh, and obviously he had a first year where they only played four games. They won the Pac-12 North Division, by the way, but they just couldn't play in the Pac-12 Championship game because of COVID. But Jimmy Lake has been with Chris Peterson since Boise State. Chris Peterson brought Jimmy Lake with him to Washington, and Jimmy Lake worked his way up from DB coach to defensive coordinator, and then kind of an Urban uh, and Ryan Day situation, Peterson gave the program to Jimmy Lake. I think that Jimmy Lake can continue to do a lot of the things that Chris Peterson was doing at I, Washington. I, I agree with you there. I, I think that... Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut yeah, you Yeah, no, no. I, I just think from a consistency standpoint, I feel like he can do that. I have a lot of respect for Washington in my top 25. You'll see. This is a Washington team that kind of got forgotten from a lot of people in America because of the fact they only played four games. Right. They played four games. But three out of those four games, they looked like a phenomenal program. Yeah. And I was afraid... That when Peterson left, there would be this major drop off. Same here, same here. And I think that I counted them out. They, they got the, the the raw end of the stick because they started their season later. So I already counted them out because of Peterson. Then they started their season later, right. and, and they secret they quietly put together a solid season. And kind of unfair for the Pac-12. We just didn't really get a good look at a no. lot of Pac-12 teams. Uh, so it's it's going to be nice going into this year and actually having a full look at these teams. All right, who's next on your 23, list? Twenty-three, and it's going to be a, another small school, Liberty. Um, listen, for me, it was all about if uh, Malik Willis was gonna pl- was gonna play next season because one thing I was talking to um, someone about is, and I'm I keep bringing back UCF because so many things are happening at UCF right now, right? <clears throat> Exciting things with them having a great head coach, a big name head coach. Recruits want to go play there. Yeah, the same thing is going to happen for UCF when they have a chance that they, they know they get to play for Malzahn, this guy who just breeds Huge. NBA talent. Yeah. When, when you think about other guys in the conference like UCF, they're going to choose UCF over a Memphis, over, uh, let's go say in the same state, over a South Florida. So yeah. I think that Malik Willis coming back, growing, he needed to grow as a passer. This is an opportunity for them to continue their dominance. I mean, what, they have three wins against ACC teams? Like, we have to give them respect. I And I, you'll see that a lot where a lot of my top 25 early on is going to be I have to give you the respect. Like, I'm going to be forward right now. I don't have LSU anywhere near my top 25. I don't care that they had that transition year of when all their players left. They're going to have to prove it on the field. I'm not giving you a top 25 spot because of your name. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, especially early on here. I see that you're giving some uh, like a little bit of a nod of the group of five and yeah. Liberty. There's no reason to think that they can't win eight or nine games every single year. Every year. As long as Hugh Freeze is there. Yes. Uh, that's kind of something that they just have to capitalize on. And talk about UCF for a second because we're talking about Malzahn. Uh, you might be able to argue that that was the biggest coaching hire in Power Five hit, or uh, sorry, Group of Five history. Yes, I mean the the biggest coaching hire that a Group of Five school has ever landed. And Malzahn for me, it's just so exciting for UCF Nation. Like Malzahn is a game changer, like an absolute game changer. Yes. for that program, Malzahn is a guy that could be there for for the long haul. Number yep. one, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy for me that has any hurry to get back to the Power Five. No, I, I think he's a guy like. I'm big on social. His social media and how oh, grateful great. he was to play to to get another coaching opportunity for a, an up and coming school. Yeah, he will be able to make an even bigger legacy than he already has now. He recruits well, and people say online he he, he didn't recruit well enough. He is not even Auburn wasn't even the top school in his own state, let alone the conference. Exactly. Now he gets the top school to top group of five school yep. in his own state. One of the tops in his own conference. This is going to be fun to watch. There will be a transition where you have, you know, this. I think that it's going to go from this UCF team that doesn't tackle well. They 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 give up bad bad big plays to a, a very fundamentally sound team. Because one thing you can always say about Auburn, both sides of the ball, they're fundamentally sound. They don't commit a lot of turnovers. They don't give up too many explosive plays, and they don't commit a lot of penalties. That's true. It kind of goes back to that argument of uh, Malzahn always had Auburn in a position to win. Yes. To always win the big game. You remember that one year, a, a couple years ago, where they beat Alabama and Georgia? Yes. In the same year. Yes. And then uh, they ended up losing to Georgia in the SEC championship game, but they, they were that kind of team yeah. that every SEC football Saturday, no matter who they were playing, they had a chance to win. And I think that we're about to see a period in UCF football where they are going to find a way to completely dominate the American yes. and eventually find themselves in a Power 5 conference. And I think that Malzahn is going to be the one to get them there. So anyway, we were talking about UCF there, but it's hard not to. <laughs> it's hard not to. Um, all right, num- number 22. I have Oklahoma State here. Uh, a nod to Oklahoma State uh, for winning eight games last year when they really kind of had a shaky start. Didn't really know where Spencer Sanders was going to be. Chubba yes. Hubbard was a huge disappointment. Huge. Um, what I did want to say about Oklahoma State they were 1-2 and two last year against the combination of Texas, Iowa State, and Oklahoma. And I think that they will go 1-2 and two again against the combination of Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma, no matter what it is. Yes. But for me, Oklahoma State is a team and a program that, in the Big 12, they have enough consistency. Mike Gundy, one of the longest tenured coaches in the entire country, yes. he's going to keep them in the top 25. For me, 22, I have Wisconsin. Once again, another shaky season for Wisconsin. I mean, yeah. another team who had a shaky season... A lot due to COVID. A lot of games canceled. Big games canceled. Right. Now we know that this is going to be Merck's team because well, was Cohen is gone. He had transferred to Notre Dame. Notre Dame he yeah. transferred to Notre Dame. Wisconsin, for me, is a year that you can depend on defensively. Every year, year in and year out. With the disruption in the quarterback play, the disruption of COVID... There was a lot of Wisconsin uh, question marks. A lot of, even sure. on the field, you could see with the turnovers because they, they had limited practice time. Exactly. This is a team that, you know, I could have probably put them lower in my top 25. I am at 22, and I think it's a comfortable position for them. The brand of Badger football requires cohesiveness. It requires practice time. Yes. It requires physicality. Paul Christ knows how to run Wisconsin. Ever dating back to Barry Alvarez, this program has not changed their philosophy. It's one of the reasons that I love Wisconsin. But that's what they need, and they were missing that this year. And with the Big Ten, it was it's so hard going into next year to value teams in the Big Ten because of what a limited uh, look of we got at a lot yeah. of these teams. But the Big Ten put them in that position. And I'm going to tell you right now, no matter where I have big teams in this top 25, and I'm still backing my conference, I think that the Big Ten is going to take a step back next year because of this COVID year and because of the way the conference handled it. You know I was very loud about that. And even with Ohio State getting the national championship game, the conference as a whole is going to take a step back, especially in non-conference football games. But the fact with Wisconsin is there's a lot of uncertainty, 
but I trust in Paul Christ. I'm very curious to see what is the ceiling for Graham Mertz. Yes. Because this is the highest rated quarterback recruit that Wisconsin has had in a long time. Wisconsin generally doesn't have quarterbacks who who you're excited about. Right. That's that that's what's different. It's, you know they have the stout offensive line who turns every single running back that touches that program to gold. Now can they put both pieces together? Yeah. A a, a high ceiling quarterback with an always stout offensive line. Now you need that running back presence with great defense. I think the sky's the limits for Wisconsin. I I completely agree, and I think that for Wisconsin it's like that every year where they have a shot to. Put together that year that could get him there. I mean, yes. they had that one 12 and 0 year uh, in 2018. Ohio State beat him in the Big Ten Championship <laughs> game. But Wisconsin consistently dominates the West Division. Yes. Two out of three of the last years, Northwestern has taken that division from them. But I think that this is a, a, a year where you can't count Wisconsin. A lot of people are high on Iowa, and for good reason. But until proven otherwise, I think Wisconsin is still the class of the Big Ten West. All right, going into number 21, speaking of the Big Ten, this is where I have a team, Penn State. All right, four and five last year. Keep in mind that Penn State started the year 0-5 last year, all right? They lost to Indiana on that insane two-point conversion to end the game that we still don't know whether or not it actually was a two-point conversion. Then they had to play Ohio State week two and lose that game. What do you have to play for after that? Not to mention that Penn State lost their two best players to opt-outs before the season even started. Their running back, Journey Brown, in in my opinion, the best defensive player in the entire country going in. Micah Parsons, that linebacker. Penn State was down and out, but Penn State is so freaking talented on both sides of the ball, and James Franklin is such a good coach. They will bounce back this year. I'm telling you right now, they will bounce back. Eight or nine wins for Penn State, at least. Yes. But this Penn State team... In my opinion, a top 25 team. I, I respect that. And they were, by honorable mention, they were one of the teams where I wanted to put them in because they were hot. You know, they they yeah. finished the season phenomenally. We know Franklin is amazing. I'm going to go shake, stir the pot up a little bit here. And sure. I'm going to drop Ole Miss and leave them at 21. Lane Kiffin brought this offensive, offensive philosophy to Ole Miss. But... Did it really change? You know, did, did Ole Miss has always been good at putting up numbers. I think the difference between this Ole Miss team and, and uh, Matt Corral is, is that they believe in their coach. You see it on the field that these guys are out there knowing every day, every game that they compete and that they can win. Let's think about the game when they played Alabama. Yeah. Alabama's probably the scariest game as an Alabama fan. One thing that, that hurt them a lot was that defense. Returning nine starters on the defense, Kiffin is overjoyed. And people say Kiffin is in the public eye too much on social media and all that. Do you know what he's doing? He's hanging out in the press boxes with all these former Alabama players because he wants to see, he wants his kids to see. You work hard. You win championships. You live this lifestyle. You are the Julio Jones. You make it to the next level. You work hard. And... I mean, this is going to be a hard, tough team next year. Guarantee it. Sometimes it's uh, scary to me how similarly we think on on some of these things. But at number 20, I have Ole Miss. There's a lot to like about Ole Miss right now. Lane Kiffin is a great college football coach. A guy that's bounced around and kind of waited for the right opportunity. Didn't work out at USC. Obviously, you know, he had that debacle at Tennessee. Yes. Goes back to Florida Atlantic uh, to revitalize his career after... Revitalizing his career at yeah, Alabama at the, at the because because camp. exactly <laughs> that's what it is right that's what it is. because he proved himself as a play caller at Alabama again kind of yes. reestablished himself just like Steve Sarkeesian yes did the same thing uh, it's it's almost like a a rehab camp too like, like, with, with Jones, Alabama I mean yeah it's it, it's, it's crazy. crazy goes to Florida gets a a really good opportunity for Ole Miss because this entire uh, community is behind him. Yes. And so are his players. Now, here's the thing about that I really liked about Ole Miss is that they can score a lot of points. And their defense was so bad and so inconsistent, and they still win four games in the SEC. Yes. They have so much talent on offense. They're going to force you to keep up with them, especially going into next year. This was their first, first year, year under Lane Kiffin. First year. First year. They're going to make noise. This is at least a seven or eight win team, in my opinion, and I think that they have the opportunity to pull off a really big upset yes. going into next year. It's going to be exciting. All right. I just said that. Yeah. Who's Louis your number 20? Number 20, Washington. Um, for me, the reason I had them a little bit lower or higher, I guess you'd say, yeah. is the fact that I looked at those four, well, they play four games. I looked at that. I went back and looked at some of the highlights, some of the film. And I, I 
I already said this. I, I didn't think I saw much of a drop off. Right. Uh, switching the sure. lake, I didn't see yeah. much of a change, a transition. So I, I, I thought twenty was a, a comfortable spot. Yeah, I think it was something that you and I both noticed. Uh, and again, going back to my Chris Peterson comparison, I just don't want to forget about Washington because now I'm starting to think maybe he left this program in the right hands. Yeah. But we talk a lot about Oregon, and for good reason. Uh, I think that Oregon and USC are the top two programs in the conference right now. But don't sleep on the Huskies. All right, number nineteen. I have speaking of Sark. This is where I put Texas. I've seen Texas lower. I've seen Texas much higher. What's new? I mean, every single year, I feel like I have Texas 19 or 18 because every year they find a way to win seven games, just like they did this year. Go five and three in the Big 12. Kind of be in that right there in that spot where they're not overly impressing you. But now with Steve Sarkeesian in the mix, his play calling is next level. Yes. Next level play calling. And I'm very intrigued to see where this goes. And I think that Casey Thompson, who is the, I, I feel like is the, the front runner to win the, the starting quarterback job, could be a nice, uh, I mean, dude, he shined in the Alamo Bowl. Yes, he did. He was dominant. Yes, he did. Uh, so for Texas, there's a lot up in the air, but honestly, I don't know if there's another team in the country with higher upside than Texas because we don't know what Stark's going to do in his first year. I totally agree. I like that pick there. My 19 is Oklahoma State. Biggest, biggest reason is they're a mainstay in this 18 19 borderline they top, are top 10 team right gundy is a, a phenomenal coach who is just loyal to the wrong team this is a team that has to play texas oklahoma you know every yeah. year they have a tough tough schedule and they win eight, nine games every year. Every year, great offense. One of the a Mike Leach graduate. And when you, one thing you're starting to notice, and when the Nick Saban says it, you know it's big. Defense no longer wins championships. It's true. Offenses does. Offenses do. Now all Leach needs to do. I mean, Leach, all Gundy needs to do is get his defense bought in a little bit more. Not the Big Twelve defense is not going to win. Just a no, little bit of defense. Not anymore, especially with the way the Oklahoma's playing defense yes. now under Alex Grinch. You, you, you saw the step that that team took. Yes. And by the way, if I could just say for a second, Nick Saban did say that. But can we just all acknowledge that he was so against this shift in college football? He was. And then very quietly, very quietly, he started putting his offensive staff together. And he started bringing in these play callers <laughs> to change his offense. He has Because help. he was smart enough to see it. But he, I just wanted to say... This was not his original idea. He, he was very against it. He started the... I think he's like one of the founders in the SEC of the offensive analyst position. Yeah. That wasn't even a real right. job. We have like eight offensive analysts who are all ex-head coaches or offensive coordinators. <laughs> but it's a part of what makes Nick Saban such, such a brilliant coach. Because yes. yeah, in college football, and this is uh, why you're going to be hearing about uh, a lot uh, you know, today in the next episode about the quarterback position. Because yes. it's all about where who you have at the quarterback position and who you have at offense... And do you believe in that guy to get you down the field? That reminds me of one more thing that I want to say about Penn State is that Sean Clifford is not that guy at quarterback. Sean Clifford at Penn State is holding back that program. Yes, he is. You've got guys who don't have the ability to take to take the program to that next step. And it kind of leaves you stuck yes. in neutral. Yes. And especially when you have you know guys like that where they're starting. Clifford's about to have his third year starting at Penn State. It's going to hold him back. Reminds me of Blake Sims at Alabama. That defense yep. carried us everywhere. And this is not a knock on Blake Sims. I, I respect Blake Sims. But he's not sure. that the next level guy right. who's going to change your program or make you a national champion. Yeah. Just, it, like, just like Clifford. Exactly. All right. So for my number 18, this is where I had Wisconsin. Uh, nice. Pretty good spot for him. Yes. I have uh, Northwestern here. Um, oh, I did I not expect to see Northwestern in your top 25. No, I listen. This is one of those things where I told you, yeah. I, I redid my top 25 a million times, and there were teams that I, so I put on a separate piece of paper, teams that I have to give respect to. And when I built my top 25, Northwestern was one of those teams, I just put them on a separate piece of paper, I had no idea where I was going to put them. All right, same here. Then I started valuing, when you win your division, like, like we, I scroll back and I look at teams like Oklahoma State, I look at Ole Miss, I look at Liberty and Louisiana, I have to put them... I have to put them above them. Yeah. Because now they've proven it. Two out of the three years, they've proven to me they're going to have a stout defense. Well, and, and what's what's funny about Northwestern, 
especially coming off the conversation we were just having about offenses, that Northwestern is one of the very few teams in the country who relies on their defense. And year in and year out, they are an elite defense. Uh, so Similar to Georgia, yes. who's always leaned on their defense, but now they're trying to you know, yeah. change their ways, where Northwestern can't really do that because they don't have the recruiting no. talent coming in. But you guys got to remember, Pat Fitzgerald is a linebacker. Yeah. So his philosophy is defense. So defensive guys want to play for him. That's why... I'm getting excited, but <laughs> that's why Northwestern is so consistently good on the defensive side of the ball, but it's yes. also why they can't get to that next step because they can't find offense. It's like watching the big games that Northwestern had last year, their defense created so much offense, but then yeah. like they do a great field position or get turnovers in, in great in great field position again, but you know what I mean? Right. But then they just couldn't punch it in. Well, and let's not forget... I thought Ohio State was going to lose yes, to Northwestern. Yes. I mean, I was freaking out in that Big Ten Championship game. We couldn't throw the ball against no. that defense. And that's not going anywhere. That's a philosophy that stays at Northwestern. And I, and I hope that they don't run into another down year. Yeah, and no, I hope I, that they can I, keep, I, you know, keep consistency. I agree. Who you got at 17? All right, number 17. I know that you mentioned that you don't have them in here, but I got LSU here, and here's why. LSU in the eyes of a lot of people, including myself, had a disastrous season. Yes. Especially coming off that magical national championship year. But they still managed to win five games and get a huge upset over Florida, Florida. Yeah, that was huge. In the swamp. And Ed Orgeron is still recruiting at a very high level. What I think may have happened is that his coaching hires, after all the talent, uh, coaching talent he lost at the national yes. championship year, were just horrible last year. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. Scott Linham, Bo Pelini, terrible. Reshuffled the entire coaching staff. He's trying to make it work. I think LSU bounces back this year. Uh, you know, at least an eight or nine win team. Which is what I said about Orgeron, by the way. This was before the national championship year. I, I said, well, Orgeron could probably win nine games a year. Yeah. Uh, so, we'll see how they bounce back. I respect yeah. that. I have Oregon. You got Oregon at 17. Okay. Oregon at 17. Uh, so, Kim on Thibodeau's there. They're going to be an amazing team. If... You are still not watching Pac-12 football, and you still don't know the name Kayvon Thibodeau. It's time to learn it, because I'm telling you... Disruptor. In that Pac-12 championship game, he was My, the difference maker. Slavis didn't know what to do. No. Did not know what to do. Did not know what to do. I mean, he is a Chase Young-like defensive end, but he's not getting the notoriety no. because he's in the Pac-12. It's wild. It's it's just like Pac-12 basketball, where exactly. like, all these great players come out of the Pac-12, uh-huh. and, like, and, and, and no one and, knows who they are. And you know, casual fans are like, Who's this guy? Right. But, you know, guys who, who watch the film and stuff. We've been tracking Thibodeau since he was the number one overall yes. recruit a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, and I like that you decided to showcase him because at Oregon, maybe not so much last year, but we know that Oregon has the ability to play really good defense. Yes. And it's the defense that won him that Pac-12 championship yes. game where nobody expected them to win that game. I, I, I no, didn't. Totally. I thought I it was US, I thought it was I USC's thought it was time. To lose. I thought it was yeah. USC. The only way they lost this game is something crazy happened. Yeah. No. Even though USC almost came back in that game, Yep, they were they never did. winning that game. I mean, the defensive line of Oregon, the two interceptions in the first quarter by Slavis, I yes. mean, they were out of it in the first quarter, it felt like. Yes. Um, so that's an interesting pick for Oregon. They they just lost their starting quarterback, which is very odd, yes. as a graduate transfer. Uh, so who's going to play quarterback? We don't really know. I, I, if, if you saw them in the Pac-12 title game and the Fiesta Bowl, Anthony Brown played a lot yes. for Oregon. And I feel like it may have been one of the reasons that Shuff got out of town. Listen, so you ready for this? Yeah. When you at, when, you, when you said when you were, we were talking about this. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot like what you said earlier. Oregon knows they need phenomenal quarterback play to compete for a national championship. Right. Oregon is a program that is not happy with just winning Pac-12. They want to break through. Yeah. They want to be that team. Um Tyler Saar, how do you pronounce his last name? Back when we figured out he was going to be the starting quarterback, I did what's one of my favorite things. I go watch their film from when they were in high school. He was never, ever going to be the quarterback to take him to the next level. Ever. Seems like he was just kind of a bridge quarterback yes. after Herbert because they didn't really know where to go after Herbert. Uh, but now, I mean, they have a full QB room. I think that Anthony Brown showed flashes. He's he that sh- dual threat ability. He, he played really well in those games. He could be big, powerful, Jamarcus yeah. russell is Right, exactly. Ish, you know. So, it'll be curious. Uh, keep your eye on Oregon. All right, let's go ahead and roll right into number 16 for myself. This is where I have the Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa loses their first two games of the year, uh, including to Northwestern, and then they finish the year by winning six in a row. Six I, in a row. I feel like Iowa was the best team in the Big Ten West last year, but Northwestern got them early. Yes. 
deservedly so, Northwestern got their spot in the Big Ten Championship game, but Kirk Ferentz just won't go away. And Iowa is another one of those programs that they stick to their philosophy, Yep, and they roll with it. And because of that, they're a very successful college football program capable of upsetting any team on any given Saturday. Uh, they're also bringing back Spencer Petras at quarterback, who's probably yes. going to be the starter there for a couple of years. He's a young gun. And Tyler Goodson at running back finished the year really strong. So I feel like Iowa always has a good defense. They got some pieces on offense. I think this is another eight or nine win team. I'm going to tell you I'm very high on Iowa this year. I have them about four spots higher. I like it. Um, And the reason why for me, and I'm going to be contradicting myself all throughout this top 25 because for some teams, one philosophy works. Sure. For other teams, it doesn't. Three out of the four teams that I have uh, behind Iowa don't play any defense. And I gave Iowa the nod. There you go. Well, I think we can agree that if you have an elite defense, maybe it doesn't win you championships, but it, 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 it could give you a hell of a season. Yeah, and you Whereas go, if no one else is playing defense, you know, it, it gives you that, that edge on that side of the ball. Yep. My number 16 is going to be Texas. Give Casey, me your thoughts on Sark. Thompson. Talk to me. Casey Thompson is phenomenal. And for me, I had no idea who he was. And I don't know how. Because his film looks nice. He can spin the ball. He could, oh my God, he's electric. Give Sark someone with some electricity. Yeah. Do you think that he's not going to be running some crazy jet sweep zone read action plays? Like, Steve Sarkeesian may be the best play caller in the entire country. I believe and it. And with the resources that he has at Texas, and again, it kind of goes back to, to what we were saying, right? Uh, because Tom Herman had Texas there every year. Yeah. But if you're a program like Texas, you are looking for the guy. Yeah. And I get that. Uh, kind of Michigan kind of go on the other way, whereas like they should be looking for the guy. And, and then they're they, settling. And then they extend Harbaugh. But if you're a blue blood, you got to look for the guy. And Texas feels like they have it here. Home run hire made me sick to my stomach when it happened because one thing that Harmon lost was there would be times where his offense, that was this dynamic offense, didn't highlight the the things they did well. Yeah. Um, like, you have a great passing quarterback who is mobile. The only plays that you are really confusing the defense with QB runs or QB, or, or, or QB scrambles. I think Sarkeesian will use his tools and he will bring that Alabama mentality. Like you think about uh, little Jordan Humphreys who exited the Texas program too early. Sarkeesian will be the guy who brings that Alabama philosophy. Stay one more year. Get better. Own your craft and let's compete because he has yeah. been in the Alabama coaching tree. And Sarkeesian understands where college football is right now. And, I mean, that was just proven yeah. with, with that year that he had at Alabama. And I just feel like, especially for a, a program like Texas, you, you had to take this shot. Yeah. You had to do it. Uh, because at the very least, he's not going to do worse than Herman. No. Like, at the very least. Yeah. So, good uh, good coaching job there by uh, Texas. All right, we are into the top 15. And at number 15 is a team that both you and I were very high on all of last year, the Miami Hurricanes. I had Miami in my top 10 all year last year, and a lot of that was to do with Mr. Derry King. In a year in college football where it seems like nobody is returning their quarterback. I mean, absolutely nobody. It is going to give you such a big advantage to return such a talented quarterback. Now, King is coming off of a torn ACL. They don't know 100% if he'll be ready for week one, but guess who they're playing week one? Alabama. Yes. Can't wait for that game. But for me, I had Miami in my top 10 all of last year because they were beating the teams they were supposed to be beating. Yes. And so I feel like 15 is a really good spot for 15 them. is a perfect spot because that's where I have them. This is a Miami team who, not, don't forget, they got decimated by injuries. Their offensive line got banged up. Oh, the next, this phenomenal defense they have is getting injured. If King is healthy all season and plays at even 80% of the level he can, yeah. they will be a mainstay in that top 15, top 10 conversation. I agree. And when we're talking about the ACC, I think the North Carolina and Miami have a huge leg up because of elite starting quarterback play. Yes. Uh, and then Clemson is Clemson, obviously. But 
Miami getting embarrassed by North Carolina last year was a huge downer. Yes. But for me, isolated incident, North Carolina. That's a that's one of those games you that's I, that's not bulletin board material. Yeah. That's strike a line. Right. Through. Like North Carolina doesn't know when and when not to show up. Yeah. Which we'll we'll get to them, I'm sure. But uh for Miami, I thought that was a perfect spot. All right, for me, number 14, this is where I have Oregon. Um, I originally had him a little bit higher, but for me, I, I just didn't see enough. And now that there's a little bit of uncertainty at the quarterback position, even though I'm high on, on Anthony Brown, I think he's going to win the starting job. And also still high on Oregon as a program, by the way. Yes. I think 14 is a good uh, good spot to start in here. Uh, 14, I have Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah. Man, how the mighty have fallen Seriously. on the rankings. And listen, Notre Dame, I left little to be desired. This is going to be another smack in the face for me. I know because I have ranked way too low where it's just going to be like uh, last year when they graduated all the All-Americans and they still put up a great team. But the way they played Alabama and then they're losing pieces, I really can't think that Brian Kelly is going to have another championship run in him. They went from having a phenomenal two-headed monster in the backfield. Now it's going to be off to Kyron Williams. Is he in every down back, or are they going to have to bring in a young someone young for this offense for the for this offensive firepower? Is Cohen going to be the answer? Question marks after question marks after you showed me what you showed me against Alabama. What am I supposed to do? I'm not can't I can't keep you in that seven eight conversation. And then these teams that I have above them, I think that. Dominant quarterback play or dominating defenses or identity is separates them. There's one thing that's so, there's something about each team that's above them that is so powerful for building a championship program that that I can't say about Notre Dame. I can't argue with what you're saying, but isn't it a little unfair to just use the Alabama game? I mean, we can both agree that was an embarrassing showing by Brian unfair. Kelly and his Very entire unfair. staff. But then, but then you talk about the game before that. It's, Which it's, was also bad, but they had the top a two team in the top two teams in the country. But yes. but how about the fact that the, that they just entered it a, a conference? Yes, for one year. Yes, and ran the table. Yes, I no no no. I, I give them respect. Trust me, I give them plenty of respect. That's why they're at fourteen. But I will say, <clears throat> losing Ian Book is going to hurt huge. Uh, loss. You know, Cone for me. I don't think he's good. Yeah, he he just well. There's that, and there's also the fact that he just hasn't played in a long time. Yes. And he's coming off an injury when he was when he was playing at Wisconsin, like he was a good Wisconsin quarterback. He's like okay for them, but he's not the the answer for Notre Dame. No, I feel like I think Notre Dame needs a guy who can move the ball, who makes them dynamic. Why I say that is because you think about Ian Book, his, the way he plays football is dynamic. He gets the ball out quick when he needs to. He makes the big shots down the field when he needs to. He doesn't do that often, but what he does consistently moves the chains. Because what does that do for Notre Dame? It allows their phenomenal backfield to run behind these big hog mollies because they always have a great offensive line. It, but without Book, that's probably my I, that's probably my biggest question mark. And yeah, what have you done tough. for me lately? And do what do they do? How do you go into the locker room this spring? What kind of things do you have on the wall? Like, you lost your momentum in those well, back-to-back games. Yeah, we don't really know where they are right now. Yeah, I feel like because they just can't win a big game. Yeah, and again, like their win against Clemson, the regular season was great, but Clemson was down there. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I, I mean, they didn't have them. It was it, it was still it was still a great win for them, but they've kind of got to find themselves a little bit here. And Brian Kelly was really frustrated after that embarrassing loss to Alabama and said, "We're going to keep winning. We're going to keep coming back here." But you got to have an answer for when you yes. get back. You 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 got to make it at least compete. Look, and this is a terrible uh, way to, to to say this, but look at the Baker Mayfield Oklahoma. They competed. Oh yeah, they they should have they won that game won against game. Georgia. Yeah, I mean they competed. In my opinion, I think that that was Lincoln Riley's best Oklahoma team. Yes, and and this Notre Dame just comes out there and Alabama stopped playing football at halftime. Well, and so did Notre Dame. Yes. But that's the thing, right? I mean, yeah. in the play calling, Brian Kelly was just trying not to get blown out. That's not how you build a program. No. All right. Lucky number 13. This is where I have the Cincinnati Bearcats. UC coming off a 9-1 and season, undefeated in the American. 
I cannot wait to see this battle over the next two or three years between Luke Fickle and oh Gus Malzahn. God. Assuming that Fickle stays at Cincinnati, which would just be awesome because I think it's going to come down to Cincinnati and UCF every single year. Yep. Cincinnati losing Marcus Freeman hurts. Which, by the way, speaking of Marcus Freeman, big hire for Notre Dame. Big. Which I, I meant big. to mention that. Huge. Because I think that he is one of the best up-and-coming coaches in the entire country. Yes. However, I don't think that losing him is going to be too much of a hit for Fickle. I don't think so. He's got he's running this program that well. It's kind of like Cincinnati is there is the American Alabama in terms of program. Sure. Where pieces can be moved around. Yeah. It's not gonna it's not gonna take the leg out of the out of the table. You and know? you got Desmond Ritter coming back. I'm not really too worried about the defense because Ritter, I feel, who I feel like has been in Cincinnati for six years. Yes. What is he? Uh, he's just getting better and better though. That's what I like about Desmond Ritter, Brad. He's, is that he's improving. He's growing. With every, every game he's improving. It's crazy when you think about Desmond Ritter who got benched and you could say he got benched because of injury or you could say he got benched right. because of bad quarterback play. Right. That's not the same Desmond Ritter that we see today. Exactly. It's crazy. His transformation has been really something to see. He's the kind of guy who... If if any other quarterback at any other program, let's say it's Power Five, had the road, the path that he had, probably would have transferred. Right. And he's a guy who stuck it out and he's gotten better. Trusting his coaches, his coaching staff to make him a better quarterback. Yeah. And there's no reason, uh, very similar to Coastal, there's no reason to believe that Cincinnati cannot have another great 10 or 11 win season. But again, UCF was the team that almost got him last year. Yes. And uh, with Dylan Gabriel coming back for UCF, can't wait to watch that happen in the American. All right, who's your number 13? North Carolina. The Tar Heels. The hype train, as I like to call them. <laughs> Every part of me wanted to put them in the top 10. Every bone in my body. But I had this little thing floating inside my head that has logic and reason. You are returning 10 members of your defense. So? It's not like you guys were a good defense. You guys sucked. They sucked. They were freaking awful. Sam Howell returns. Okay. I mean, Sam Howell's a great quarterback. Will he take that next step? Will this team who's returning, um, I don't have this written down, I think it's 18 starters. The team is returning 18 starters. Will they take that next step? Because they kind of did. Yeah. Year over year. You, yeah, you could argue that. I mean, they they had a really good season. Yeah. Um, you know, they. I don't think that they met their very lofty expectations. Where unfair we unfair expectations. But here's the thing: they didn't get a shot against Clemson. No. What the hell was the ACC doing by not giving North Carolina and Clemson a game that is ridiculous? It's whack. So you can't even compare yourself to the because we don't know North Carolina right now. For me, is a team that doesn't know when and when not to show up. Yeah. It's like they come into this game and they're there. They come into this game and they're flat. It's just I. I just don't know what to do here. But there's no denying. Sam Howell's youth talent. That's youth. Yeah, it is. And, and we have another year of what they had 20 starters return last, yeah. uh, last year. Now this year, 18. So those guys have been starters for multiple years. Yeah. I do think that North Carolina is the second best team in the ACC. Yes. Uh, and I do think that, that they're right in here in the top 15. And I don't know, man. I mean, we'll see what they got this year. But can they handle the expectations? And that's on Mac Brown. 100%. All right. Number 12, this is a team that, speaking of placing them into the top 10, I was, I, I, I was very close to placing USC in the top 10. I was very high on USC last year. Lay it year. on me, lay it on me. All right. Another returning elite, in my opinion, quarterback. Yes. In Keen Slavis. Yes. USC, the, the USC train for me is not going anywhere. I think USC and Oregon are the best two teams in the Pac-12 right now. I think that we'll very likely see them again in the Pac-12 championship yep. game. Uh, I think that... Uh, Slavis, again, ran into a very good Oregon front seven and just couldn't recover. But the more reps that this kid is getting, the more dangerous that he is going to become. And they only played six games. Yes. Listen. Okay, wait, wait. I need to talk about my number 12 team. Yeah. It, my, I'm going to say my 12 team really okay. quick. Okay. okay. Get in and get out, and I'll tell you about my number 11 team. 12, right. Iowa. I told you every team that yeah. I had above Oregon <clears throat> had an identity, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and Iowa has an identity. I like that you have Iowa that high. Now, number 11. USC. SC. What are we, one, one, one apart? Yep. This is a USC team that, if we're looking at year-over-year change, they probably got hurt the most out of any team in my top 25 in terms of delayed season 
and I mean my my tenth, uh, my eleventh through twenty five delayed season in COVID because they weren't returning a lot of starters on the offensive line. Right. Yeah, I, 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 that's a great point. They didn't get a chance to have a spring. Then they had a delayed start. And at no point in this season was that offensive line good or even remotely good. If I have to rank them in the Pac-12, they might be one of the worst offensive lines in the Pac-12. I would say second, maybe third to last. This just shows you how good Slavis is. Agreed. Many quarterbacks who play behind bad offensive lines, even in the NFL when you think about elite quarterbacks, um, from from college to NFL, do not perform well. Carson Wentz is a good example. If you look at his quarterback rating from the first two years he was in the NFL, I think it was somewhere like uh, a quarterback ranking um, was like 8, 10. And those two years was one year of the Super Bowl when he got hurt. Then the next year, he's come back off an of injury, right? So there was 14th. The two years that followed that is when they started losing mainstays on their offensive line and then injuries. And look what it did to a, we could call Carson elite, an elite quarterback. It made him bad. Slavis had to deal with this. And I know NFL and college are two totally things that are hard to compare, but I'm just comparing quarterback play and dealing with adversity. He doesn't make mistakes. Yes, he made mistakes against that Oregon team, but he balls out with a bad offensive line. You have to imagine that this offensive line will improve. You have to imagine that Slavis will improve. They'll have more than six games. I'm going to say this now because last year I said it and I was so wrong. Slavis is one of my early dark horses for the Heisman because if they play a full schedule, their offensive line improves, Slavis will put up close to 400 yards a game and they will win. They will have one or two losses on the season making him in that conversation for a Heisman. Yeah, and that's the season that we expected from him last year. Yes. But as you said, the Pac-12 didn't stand a chance. They, no. they weren't in it from the very beginning. Unfair. But you give him a full year uh, in this air raid offense with maybe a slightly improved offensive line. USC is never out of a game. Never. Ever. In their game against UCLA last year, uh, I, I I don't I, I don't remember what they were favored by. I think it might have been like three and a half or four. Yeah, it was three they, and a half. They were down big, big. early. And they came back and not only won the game, but they, they covered. covered USC because of Slavis, right? It yes. comes back to our elite quarterback play. When you have that in college football, number one, you are never out of a game. Never. And number two, you have a chance to put together a really good season, especially with a full spring and a full summer of yes. practice. Absolutely. Oh, I totally agree. Like, yeah. I can say I agree more. So it's nice because, <clears throat> again, the Pac-12 just didn't stand a chance last year, but there's a couple of standout teams that are going to get their chance to prove themselves. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. At number 11, right outside of my top 10, I have the Florida Gators. Florida, oh, they ended the year on a three-game losing streak. Horrible. Which is rough. And, and some of those losses were not pretty. I mean, the LSU loss. Yeah, that's in, number one. Ugly. By the way. I mean, if, if you're Dan... And, and by the way, and this is going to ruffle some uh, feathers here. I'm not a Dan Mullen fan. And when I said that, it's going to ruffle some Gator fan. Uh, Dan Mullen listen, is a crybaby who I'm makes excuses. I'm not a fan. Who doesn't get his guys ready for the big game. I can't stand him. And I, you, on this podcast, we love talking about coaches. Yes. behind our favorite coaches. It's all about the coach and the program. I can't stand this guy. He is a whiner. Cry He's a baby. complainer. He makes excuses. He doesn't know how to get, he doesn't know how to handle, uh, when he, there's expectations and then you don't meet them, he didn't know how to handle the press after the LSU loss, didn't know how to, uh, how to handle the press after the Bama loss, or when they got their ass completely handed to them in the bowl game. I mean, you didn't even show up on the front door. No. And you cannot for make that excuses football game. that players sat out. You are the guy. You are the... They look to you. He called it for his own team. Inspiration. The B team. Yes. His own team. When he said that, he lost me. Yeah. Forever. You do not it's, say that about the team that you put on the field. That is just absolutely horrible and inexcusable. It's excuse. And I'm after over After excuse. After excuse. And, oh, God. Uh, Florida's not very high in my top 10. Obviously, they're not in my top 20, uh, my 11 through 25. Sure. Oh, man. Not to mention Mullen. Uh, 
which I could talk about for a while, but you, you lose Kyle Trask. Yeah. You lose Pitts. Yeah. You lose Tony. Yeah. Uh, Tony. You lose Grimes. I mean, how are you? And I like Emory Jones. And let me tell you something. Florida is not going to be a bad team next year. There's a reason I have them at number 11. And I think they seem to be in your top yeah. 10. Listen, they're going to be a good team, but they're going to be a very different team. Yeah. First of all, they have a horrible defense, so you got to fix that yep. because now you don't have Trask to to dig you out of those holes that your terrible defense puts you in. And Emory Jones is not going to be the quarterback. He's not a thrower to throw you exactly. out of jams. They're going to have a great uh, running game, yes. and I think that Florida can uh, play a little bit of a, of a different philosophy going into next year. But man, I really don't like Dan. <laughs> I, mean, I just feel like he just lost me at the end of that year, man. He just didn't know how to handle. Because they were so successful, right? Yeah. And obviously, you can handle success. But how do you handle losing those games at the end of the year? And, and losing when you face those elite teams? And how does your team show up in those bowl games? Say what you will about Georgia. Georgia, for the last three years, have played in that throwaway New Year's Six Bowl game. Yes. And they've won that game two years in yes. a row against a very good Baylor team. Yes. And against a very good Cincinnati team. Very Kirby good Smart in this Georgia team. program is not going anywhere. They are here to stay. I, we'll talk about them in the next episode. Use Georgia as an example. Georgia had players opt out for that Cincinnati game. Thank you. And they still yes, won. They and it was Cincinnati. Yes, how do you undefeated get, Cincinnati. How do you get up to play Cincinnati? You, you take pride in your program and yes. you take pride. That was a very good Bearcats team that they played yes. and beat. That day, not and also the really good Baylor team that they played. The, so don't give me excuses when your players opt out. Yep, it just drives me crazy, man. I, I mean, I, I'll be the first to tell you that I am at a spot where I feel like we that that the uh, postseason is broken in college yep. football, and it is. It is absolutely broken. We have the playoff, and then we have nothing else. All right, it is a completely broken system, but it does not give you the right to make excuses. Yeah, when you are playing on the same playing field. As everybody else, Oklahoma came into that game and whooped your ass. Yes, because back. they have pride in their coach. Every they have pride in their program. Of football, they got whooped. Every aspect. Florida didn't even show up for that game, and it was despicable. And don't give me this other bullshit that Florida was the best team that Alabama played all year. That is absolute False. bullshit. At no point. And listen, I'm not going to say that Ohio State at any point had a chance to beat Alabama. But what I'm saying is, is that Ohio State would have whooped Florida up and down the field uh, last year, especially when you come in with that kind of attitude. Like they, uh, they entitlement. We are Florida. I think is they didn't have a defense. You, you were going to tell me that that you had a chance to beat these elite teams with no defense. These elite offenses too. Because you know, in Alabama, uh, a Clemson, uh, Ohio State, hell, in Oklahoma, yeah, the these teams are going to get stops, right? Your team's not getting stops. How are you going to be competitive in that game? Florida played A and M and went the entire game without having one stop. Wild. That does not entitle you to a championship, and it does not entitle you uh, to being labeled a great program. Now, listen, all right, I've got him at number eleven. I almost had him at the top ten. I just don't want it to be skewed because it's not top four. Like there's some yeah. there's some teams that are in my top ten that are borderline top four teams. Right, and Florida for me is just not there right now. But man, I, sorry, I just feel like we're getting off on a tangent. But yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're gonna end it here. Yes, that was twenty five through eleven. Yes, hope you enjoyed it. We yes. will be back for ten through one. Back, That'll be back, an back, entire back, other back episode, and we'll start to get into the nitty gritty of college <clears> football <throat> and really start to talk about the teams that have a chance at the college football playoff. Thank you guys so much for listening for What's the Spread podcast. Be sure to download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or however else you get your podcast. We are on YouTube, What's the Spread. We're on Twitter. If you enjoyed what we are saying or if we made you money this season, rate us and subscribe.